All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 102 of Conservative Roundup. Today, I'm very honored to join back by Brad Radikoff. We previously had him on the show in, a, in, last, in the last 100 episodes, so it's so good to be here, Brad. It's, uh, you know, it's the, Brad is the MP for Saskatoon West and the Deputy, Deputy Shadow Minister for Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship. Thank you so much for being here, Brad. It's terrific to have you back. Yeah, it's great to be here, Aiden. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Well, why don't you start by uh, like, well, catching up with us? So, what's what kind of you've been working on since uh, since we since we last saw you on here? Obviously, the election and uh, with all of that, right? Yeah, and you know, interestingly, most of my tenure has been during COVID, and so the mm-hmm. uh, the session that we had prior to Christmas was really the first time I've been in Ottawa for five consecutive weeks. I think it was five weeks, and so oh, wow. it was my first real hard <laughs> hard run in Ottawa. So, yeah, so that was good. Really good experience. Um, in the last little bit here since Christmas, I've been doing lots of meetings with uh, constituents and with business people and, and just kind of listening to what the issues are that they're facing yeah. right now and, and getting caught up with people in the community. Yeah. Um, and the other thing you mentioned uh, is that I was uh, appointed as Deputy uh, Shadow Minister for Immigration, and so that's a, a, new, a new world for me. So uh, mm-hmm. it's very relevant, actually, for yeah. me because a lot of our uh, residents here in the riding uh, are from foreign countries, they're immigrants, and so it's actually been a very good thing for me. Mm-hmm. So that's been a bit of a learning curve there too. Yeah. So and so, what's kind of the things that you've kind of been looking forward to? I mean, getting back to session and with Parliament resuming. Obviously, there's still a lot of lack of transparency and all that in, in that kind of center circle, right? Absolutely. And and you know the government is is just flailing around. Uh, it seems like. Uh, you know, they just don't have a plan, and, and uh, when they do have a plan, even they can't execute that. You know, this week we saw the, the debacle with the, the trucking vaccination order, yep. and, you know, and, and they, it's on, it's off, it's on again, and yeah. I mean, they don't, the, the, it seems like the left hand and the right hand don't know what they're doing in the government, yeah. so these, these are the kinds of issues we deal with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, honestly, I mean, with the election... With with the new with the pandemic still going on, obviously I, mean, I guess we aren't still where we thought we would be or where they said we would be. But uh, no, I guess we're all there. I mean, I, I mean, so what are some kind of things that you're kind of starting to learn again from from obviously with the new caucus, obviously with the new role and task in in the parliament and and new work that's kind of people have brought, kind of brought forward brought forward to you. Yeah, well, you know, as, as far as the government uh, and, and parliament in general, you know, it's it's new, but it's really old. It's, it's yeah. virtually the same as it was before. And so in that sense, you know, the numbers haven't really changed and, and the the messaging and the things that are going on haven't really changed at all. So yeah. it's it's almost like we took a little break, had this unnecessary $600 million election, and we all came back uh, mm-hmm. to carry on exactly where we left off. And that very much feels that way when, when I was in Ottawa prior to Christmas, and I suspect it'll be more of the same as we move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly the big issue in Canada right now is COVID and how we move past COVID. And I think that the government has gotten very comfortable with the lockdowns, with the restrictions, and, and with having all this this power because of, you know, this emergency that we have. And I think the reality is that that COVID is moving past us. It seems like uh, Omicron is is going to be peaking and moving on, and it hasn't yeah. been as as uh, dangerous as the previous uh, variants. And so that's a good thing, and I, mm-hmm. I think we will see that. And the, the government looks like they're going to continue to push the restrictions and and uh, and all of the control that they want to have. And you're going to see from us a lot more of a push to get things back to normal, find what that new normal is, and 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 all these all these restrictions and and uh, things you know. Things that are preventing us from living normal lives. People are tired of it. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean, I mean, talk, obviously, talk with other MPs. And I've kind of heard consistently these three things: listen to your constituents, be transparent, and don't wear blackface. 
Oh. <laughs> I mean, hey, make it politics, right? But you got to adhere to those three. But, uh, but uh, so. I Trudeau. Trudeau doesn't have to follow all those necessarily. He, he seems yep. to wear blackface and nobody seems to be upset about that. <laughs> I, I mean, hey, I mean, I, if he wants to be that with Halloween, then so, I mean, that reflects his character and what he wants to kind of be and, and kind of take Canada towards, right? But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that to him in his, in his little beat, right? His little groundhog hole in his cottage. But, uh, so, uh, I mean, obviously, with, with Session being back, and, I mean, you're heading into the spring session now. I mean, so what are some kind of things that you've kind of learned or, or looked forward to or you kind of had kind of highlights over the last couple, I guess, was it month session before uh, Christmas? Yeah, you know, um, I think I think just just getting um, getting our feet wet again as, as a new parliament, um, you know, getting even even for me, just making that first speech back in the House of Commons was was, you know, a little you know, trying to get yeah. through some of the butterflies and jitters to get things back going. But yeah. but really, it's all about representing the people of Saskatoon in, in Ottawa and making sure their voices are heard. And, mm-hmm. and that's not easy because not everybody agrees on things in Saskatoon. And that's yeah. partly where, where I have to make sure that I'm listening to everybody's voices and, and trying to, to share that, that in there. But one of the things that's certainly top of mind besides COVID is just inflation in general. Yeah. You know, that's that's one of the things that that we talked a lot about prior to Christmas, and and mm-hmm. you're going to hear a lot more about it now as it really yeah. starts to ramp up and and impact the average person uh, in mm-hmm. in a very significant way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even since I mean, since last time we talked, a lot of things have changed. I mean, look at the house the housing crisis that's that's popped up under the Trudeau Liberals. Inflation's gone up. Last time it was peaked upward of five percent. I mean, a lot of people are still managing to to scrape. I mean, they aren't managing to to scrape by or, or to get by. I mean, a lot of them are getting left behind by their by the Trudeau governments, their provincial governments, whatnot, right? And, and it's so heartbreaking, right? Because, I mean, a lot of people. I mean, they work so hard to come here. They or they work so hard to make a living, provide for their families, have a job, be there on time. I mean, I mean like a lot of people are are really starting to fall behind. And you know, with the current course of of where everything's going, I mean, a lot of, not a lot of people are gonna are gonna be left with a house, a family, food to provide with. I mean, look at the food increase. I mean, I mean, you could look at bread. What was the last time we talked? Probably two. You may pay three twenty. Now it's going upward of five dollars. Yeah. yeah, no, it's it's crazy, and those are those are costs that people feel right now. They feel it in their in their uh, budgets every month, and it comes out of their pocketbooks right now. It's mm-hmm. not it's not a future maybe might happen. It's a it's a happening right now, yeah. and you know the numbers too are I think somewhat understated. You know that. Official numbers you hear are you know around five percent inflation, and I think the average person that's shopping would kind of laugh at that because yeah. it, it's probably a lot higher for the things that most people mm-hmm. experience, and so so that's a huge issue, and we've got to get to the root causes of inflation and, and start uh, working our way backwards to 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 you know help people, and, and you know it doesn't mean giving everybody a raise because that just all yeah. of a sudden <laughs> fuels inflation even yeah. more, even though we're probably going to see that to a degree. Mm-hmm. But it's how do we tame inflation? How do we get it back under control so that we aren't seeing these crazy price increases year over year? Definitely. So, I mean, obviously, I mean, I mean even when we get into, like, the with the wage subsidy, right? I mean, the wage gap, or, or well, not the wage gap, sorry, the wage increase. I mean, I mean that kind of puts small businesses on top of each other trying to compete with. I mean, they already have their taxes to pay. I mean, what, they got, like, five taxes now? Two carbon taxes, the luxury tax, I mean, whatnot, right? I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, even Quebecers are trying to get, like, the... Or like if you aren't vaccinated, then you're gonna to have to be paying like a health increase. I mean, Quebecers are gonna have that sad decision. I, I I can't say I agree with it at all. Far from it. Um, and you know what? A lot of Canadians, they feel just. 
I mean, they, as you said, I mean, they go to the grocery store. They go, I mean, they, well, I mean, they have kids. I mean, they, I mean, they've got the sports practices. They buy Gatorade, Powerade, whatnot. I mean, I mean, and they have to spend money to high heaven. I mean, they have to put them through hockey. I mean, some of them can't afford that. I mean, some of them have to go through to school. People can't afford it. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, that you look at it and I mean, a lot of people, I mean, they're really starting to have to cut back on what they buy at the grocery store that, I mean, you look at milk, eggs, bread, I, everything, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, added to that are some of the regulatory changes, uh, for example, around the environment. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a study done, uh, I think, back in 2020 that said that the average Canadian is $200 a month away from not having enough money to pay the bills. Really? And that was well before all this inflation stuff happened. So so part of what's driving inflation also is, is uh, I, I think, an assumption on the part of the government that, that uh, while we all con- we're all concerned about the environment, that's true across the board, and I think all Canadians or most Canadians would be concerned about it. When it comes to the question of how much are you willing to pay to change your your behaviors and practices regarding to the environment, um, that's where things get a little dicey because people aren't willing to spend very much on it. And so I think the government's made the assumption that people are. So you have things like the carbon tax and all these other um, sort of hidden taxes that are that are artificially increasing prices of things because of regulatory changes that have been made and and that's costing people more money and and people aren't happy about that because yeah. they just don't have the money to give and also another tax right is, is the capital gains tax when you sell your house or your apartment condo whatever you have to end up paying that to the government and a lot of seniors i mean they're selling i mean they can't afford to go into a home to go into the retirement community i mean they can't afford to do anything and then they have to end up paying what they might make what they may or may not make off their home to the government yeah, and, and don't kid yourself. This is the plan. I mean, they they've stu- the liberals have studied this two or three different ways already, and they they have a they want to bring in a capital gains tax on the sale of your principal residence. That mm-hmm. is clear by their actions, and so it's just a matter of time. And that's something we have mm-hmm. to stop because you know the, the 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 home asset of a family is typically their largest asset, and it's typically the way that um, parents, the primary means that most families pass on wealth to their children, and so. If, if the government wants in on the action now because of the crazy debts that they've built, you know, massed up over the years, uh, that's just not fair. And I think it's it's uh, it's just it's wrong to take that money out of Canadian families' hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so sad to hear. I mean, a lot of people, they spend years upon years uh, of making this, trying to retire, trying to spend, I mean, they want to spend more time with their families. They want to go out in the world, travel, vacation, whatnot and it and it and it's really frustrating for them right because i mean i mean you have a government that's probably not even i mean not not even the state not even, not even joe biden's even thought of this as as a capital gains tax right so you sell your house you have to pay it to him pay it to congress whatever nobody else has thought of this except justin trudeau stephen gilbo like Catherine or not Catherine, uh, christy freeland um and, and it's really funny because they, they i mean they kind of look at it and they go well how else? I mean, I mean, look at, I mean, look how many taxes they have. I mean, they're probably thinking right now, how else can we tax Canadians? How else can we sneak in secret, uh, a secret way to tax Canadians on? I don't know, maybe, maybe what sports they play, right? I mean, heck, who knows? Well, and, you know, I, I'm not so sure that they're they're staying up at night trying to think about how they can create new taxes uh, for that purpose. But mm-hmm. I think the truth is, they love spending money. They yep. spend money like. You know the proverbial drunken sailor, right? They spend money on everything, and so the the reality is that when you spend that much money, you have to have revenue on the other side to make up yeah. for it, and that's what kind of forces them back into this 
you know, looking under every single rock they can for, for money, and that's where all these new taxes come from. So, so you know, the, the fundamental problem is the spending of the money, and that's what's caused so many things, including inflation, and, and yeah. it's certainly what's causing taxes to go up. And so that's really the first thing we have to do is we have to stop the overspending that we're doing. We have to stop adding to our debts. We have to start spending within our means. And, and you know, Canada is a growing country. We have a large, we have a huge budget right now federally. I mean, the Liberals, even before COVID, they increased the size of the federal spending on an annual basis very significantly, uh, over 25%, I think, in four years. And so mm -hmm. just a massive increase in spending. And this is before COVID. And, yeah. and this has to stop. We have to get it under control because, you know, I, you know, all conservatives would agree that large government is not the answer to our problems. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, big government is, is not the solution a lot of people think. A lot of people think that more government control or power is the answer when it's not. I mean, as conservatives, we believe in smaller, smaller government, small, lowering taxes, uh, freedom of choice to do whatever, buy, I don't know, buy a home. Personal responsibility, yeah. you know, like the government is not supposed to solve every single problem that we have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's on us. Yeah. We, we as individuals, as Canadians, as citizens in our communities, as, as family members, as heads of families, we, we solve our problems. And, and the government is, shouldn't be expected to solve yeah. every little problem that yeah. comes along. You know, and, and I think that's partly where some of the thinking is going these mm -hmm. days, that, you know, the government will fix everything. Well, it's yeah. just not true. And, and, that, and that ends up bringing extra stress onto the taxpayer, onto the everyday Canadian, every citizen. You know what it's sad. I mean, I mean, we talk about the reckless spending. I mean, look at the the Trudeau Liberals. They lost five hundred thousand dollars from CERB. To I mean, they couldn't find where the payments went. I mean, look, I mean, look at before when session first started, it was reported that uh, a Montreal street gang got a good chunk of the CERB. I mean, how does that happen? Yeah, I mean, just well, it, the same way that you make an announcement that we're going to have a vaccine mandate for truckers, and then we aren't, and then we are again. I mean, it's, just <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's people who know what they're doing, they, the poor communication. I mean, it, the, these are the things that have driven so many of the problems within within the programs. And, you know, I get that they, they tried to, to establish uh, programs that were quick, you know, that were, uh, were going to get out there maybe quicker than they would like. But at the yeah. same time, you know, just common sense would, would yeah. have made them so much uh, more... Um, not only flexible but more accurate, you know, and, yeah. and simple ways to, to make sure that they're not being abused. And you know, these things yeah. just simply weren't done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, you look at this in Parliament. You're seeing across from Justin Trudeau, Christian Freeland, the House of Commons. I mean, I mean, it's so frustrating because I mean, guys ask the questions about the inflation, where's the money going to, where it's coming from. I mean, and they kind of just swerve around the answer. And then they, I mean, they criss, I mean, they like they crisscross, they they dodge, they move, they deflect. I mean, how, yeah. like, I mean, like it, like, it must be frustrating for you guys when, when you're sitting in there and you can't get an answer, you can't get, I mean, committees are, like, the best way to get, answer, get answers now, right? You know, you know, Aiden, one of the most frustrating things as a, as a member of parliament sitting across from the Liberals, um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but in, in the House of Commons, there's rules about what can be on camera and what can't be. And so, okay. uh, really, generally speaking, only the person speaking can be on camera mm -hmm. and nothing else is supposed to be there. And as an opposition or as a as an MP, I'm not allowed to say you know if so and so was or was not in the House of Commons. You know, so there's rules about what you can do. Okay. And so what's frustrating to me is when when we're asking questions to look at Justin Trudeau the way he sits and he's not on camera and he can't be on camera, but he kind of sits there like this and he has a just a smug, <laughs> yeah, know it all, just a just a 
a very annoying let's just say a very annoying look on yeah. his face <laughs> it's like the self-entitled like, like schoolboy yeah. look right yeah and he'll sit there like that listening to questions you know like oh you guys you're so silly you know and then, then he'll stand <laughs> up and he'll give an answer but it, that's one of the most difficult things is just to watch oh, this. Oh, I mean, that must be frustrating for you guys. It's frustrating for me just like just sitting behind the camera watching it. I mean, he, like even when he when he's when he is out camera, he still has like that like that stupid look where he's he's like self entitled. He thinks he like like he thinks he knows it all. I mean, I mean, he's so ridiculous. He has to get everything scripted for him by by his press secretary I mean, he literally has to read from a sheet uh yeah uh, well maybe uh drinking water uh yeah yada 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 whatever but uh <laughs> i mean it, i mean it's like it's so frustrating for you because i mean committees i mean even then it's frustrating you got the i mean you got like the low low blowers the ndp that team up with the liberals that you well you may you may not get stuff passed we'll see well let's we'll let jake meet decide this as we could what we can and can't get done yeah yeah i, I mean it's very true that the ndp have have lined up behind the liberals almost every time and yeah. you know they've they've unfortunately for them they've got nothing to show for it really yeah. but but they you know they're always there they're always willing to support uh trudeau and, and the liberals and what they want to do and that's making it very very difficult for us yeah. uh you know as much as we try to oppose things and, and try to get common sense back into those commons the ndp are right there with the liberals uh, opposing those things yeah. and, and so the liberals have their way justin trudeau Essentially, has his majority uh, with the backing of the NDP. Yeah, I, I, when we kind of get back back to housing again, I mean, I mean, and so I mean, just I mean, Justin Trudeau. I mean, he's had he's been fed from a silver spoon all his life. He can probably care. I mean, he's in his little groundhog hole mansion doing what I mean, whatever he wants to do. Right? I mean, he he doesn't have to worry about paying money. He, I mean, that's free of charge. Uh, every apartment in Sussex Drive and in his lake house, whatever, um, and. A lot of people. I mean, you look at Toronto, for example. And you look at Saskatoon as well. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of these homes. Obviously, it's cheaper to buy a house out west from Alberta to Manitoba than it is Ontario here and and, and BC and all that. But uh, you, you, I mean, you look at Toronto. I mean, a house goes up for probably let's say six fifty. They probably get a, probably at least a million over asking from from uh, this whole infl- like housing crisis that's kind of gone on. And, and that makes it hard for the taxpayer for all these for all these new Canadian families that are coming to Canada or for Canadians that are going up and want to start a family, and they I mean they can't afford to buy a house they have to stay in these in these apartments these condos I mean they, I mean even the suburbs I mean they're starting to fill up I mean there's I mean obviously with with what our, our platform was in back in September and October was was to create more houses and to create more jobs. Yeah, yeah, and you know there's. There's a lot of complex issues around that, but some of them aren't complex at all. Some of them are quite simple. So, for example, uh, Canada's population is growing quite significantly, and obviously a big reason for that is is the uh, very large immigration numbers that we have. Uh, Canada last year, I believe, grew 1.4% in its population, which is far above other countries. The U.S., I think, is around half a percent or 0.6 or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, so we have a lot of growth, which is which is a good thing, and, and, mm-hmm. and it, but it also causes some problems. Yeah. For example, housing, and but if you just stop and think about, it, we we grew uh, roughly five hundred thousand people in Canada last year. Well, Hamilton, the whole city of Hamilton has five hundred thousand people, so it's like we're adding a city the size of Hamilton every single year. Now, if you just kind of think about what that means in terms of housing, that means we have to add as many houses as Hamilton has yeah. across the country every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a significant number. And now back to what what can make this simple. There's, there's a lot of ideas right now that we should have uh, all of our housing, you know, condensed into the inner city or, or 
to to say it differently, to not allow cities to sprawl, to get larger, but rather try to keep all the housing within the parameters of the city that's there now. Well, that's just not realistic yeah. when you're adding a city the size of Hamilton every year to Canada. And so we've got to start to rethink some of these basic policies. We have to allow our cities to sprawl. We have to. Like, there's no option because we are adding so many people to our cities. And so mm-hmm. just that fact alone makes it very expensive to buy land because of the restrictions yeah. there are on urban sprawl. That drives prices way higher. And that's a fundamental reason why house prices are so high. That, that single fact alone. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't agree with you more. Now, obviously, I mean, with a lot of people, I mean, they look at the debt, they look at the deficits. I mean, if in reality, if every Canadian was to hold back the Canadian government right now, I mean, they'd be at $31,000 per Canadian. I mean, I mean, that's just a joke. People don't even have that. Yeah, people don't even make that in a year. I don't even have that in my account. I, I don't even, not even a quarter. I'd say, I, I mean, last time I checked, but hey, I mean, I mean, if Trudeau wants to send some serve my way, I'd be more than happy to take it. I mean, a lot of people, he kind of likes to like people let them not pay it back or or, or all of that, right? But, uh, you know, I mean, in regards to the debt and the deficits, I mean, what is kind of what we're looking at is is obviously what we want. What we want our revenue to bring back in, obviously, with something being a Western MP is, is oil, and, oil and gas sector, which he wants to shut down, which brings in a significant amount of profit to back to the government. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's some fundamental basics here. Like, number one, we've got to stop adding to our deficit. That, that's, that's kind of basic number one. Yeah. Um, you know, the government, as we already said, spends way more money than they need to. There's ways to reduce that government spending. Um, so that's, that's fundamental number one, because we already know that interest rates are going to go up. It, it has to happen. That's going to add expenses to the government and, and just make it even worse. So we've yeah. really got to, first of all, stop adding to our debt. That's number one. Um, the second thing that we need to do, and you alluded to this already, and this is get our economy going. And, and Canada is a resource-based country. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. And there, you know, we may not like it. You know, we may rather be something else, but that's what we are. And mm-hmm. so let's let's not shy away from it. Let's not be embarrassed about it. Let's not try to become something that we're not. Okay. Uh, let's be proud of it, and let's mm-hmm. let's do it to the best of our abilities. Let's be the best in the world. And I think in many ways we already are. And our industries, you know, the oil and gas industry, the energy industry, is working very hard to get better and better and better at that. And so that's where we need to focus. And we need a strong economy that's based on those resources. It's it's the reality of our country. And mm-hmm. if we have a strong economy, uh, everybody benefits. The, the government benefits by more revenue. Individuals benefit from having good-paying jobs and, and predictable incomes. And it's it's better for everybody, and that's that's how we grow ourselves out of this this mess that we've been that we've been given. And it's fair to say, you know, that that COVID uh, happened to us, and we didn't, you know, we we did what we did, and you can argue whether it was right or wrong, but it doesn't matter at this point. It's done, yeah. and so now we have to figure out how to move forward from this point. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, getting the economy going is kind of a no-brainer, yeah. and it has to be it has to include resource industry. Mm, definitely and that, and that brings me to my next question i mean how do you think we should start to handle the debt and, and the deficit in this country well basically that's that's it we've got to stop increasing the debt you know we've we've got to get our government spending under control um and we have to get the economy rolling so that we have the means to not only pay the interest on it but to actually pay it back because mm-hmm. You know, like you said, not every person in Canada is going to write a check to the government for thirty thousand dollars. That'll never happen. And so, how do we how do we eliminate that? Well, you don't do it in in, in one fell swoop. It's going to happen a bit over time. Okay. Um, it, the last time this happened was in the mid '90s. We had a debt crisis, and the Liberals were in power actually, and they were the ones who 
who on the one side uh, reduced government spending significantly and on the other side increased taxes significantly. Now, we don't want to have to do that because it was a very painful thing back in the Paul Martin days that they had to do that. And, and uh, the government spending was reduced dramatically. And over the next number of years, debt came down and things got back in control. And, and that was forced upon us by our debt, by our lenders. And so we don't want to get into that situation again. So, so we really have to be careful about our spending. And, you know, the government likes to say, well, you know, we have a AAA credit rating and, and we're allowed to borrow as much as we are. Everybody's, it's all good. You know, we should all be happy. Well, that's kind of like saying, you know, you have a credit card and it has a limit of $5,000 and you get a thing in the mail saying, oh, your, your limit just went up to 6000 What do you do? You, go and you spend a thousand more dollars. Is that what you do? Yeah. No, common sense would tell you not to do that. But that's the way the yeah. liberal government is, is operating that. They're spending exactly, you know, every little penny that they think they can spend, they're spending. Even oh, yeah. I mean, they take something so small and they blow it up, they're thinking it's it's one of their biggest accomplishments, as you said, right? I mean, the AAA credit rating. But, I mean, yeah. and that kind of brings, like, everything back to, the, like, the whole liberal-conservative government cycle. Liberals and NDP spend too much. Conservatives are elected in. They're, they're forced to cut. Sadly, I mean, that's something that we, re- that we really do not like doing, To especially with important programs. I mean, we're, I mean... Obviously, we'd love to have money for for healthcare. We'd love to have it for childcare. I mean, but it's it's just something that we can't have. I mean, we can we cannot afford it. And and that and then that and then we get voted out. Liberals liberals get voted back in, et cetera, et cetera. The wheel just keeps on turning and turning. And you know, I really wish the liberals would really break that cycle. And I mean, as you said, I mean, they would kind of reduce government spending, but by lowering taxes at the same time, not raising. Them. And, you know, it's the saddest part, too, because a lot of people are starting to really wake up and look at, well, why are my taxes going up? Why is this? Why is this happening? Well, it's, it happens when people vote liberal or they vote NDP, right? Not con- yeah. not conservatives, not conservatives. I mean, we do we do the opposite. That's, that's true. Um, and, you know, this liberal government that we have now is is so far uh, to the left politically compared to previous liberal governments, you know, like. Uh, it, it, and their their philosophies on spending and just on on how to run the country are are vastly different even from prior liberal governments that we've had in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know this kind of brings us back to where we started. We talked about my my new role uh, in with immigration and, and what I've what I've discovered is I've been meeting with many many immigrants in, in my community and elsewhere in Canada. Um, most immigrants that I've spoken with share a lot of the same values that we have as conservatives. You know things like. Uh, freedoms, things like family, things like faith, and things like entrepreneurship and, mm-hmm. and business and small government, low taxes, all these things, uh, for the most part, are shared by a lot of the newcomers to our country right now. And so mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of hope uh, from from uh, my perspective as a conservative that mm-hmm. that as we bring in newcomers to our country, they're bringing with them a lot of the same values and philosophies that we as conservatives hold. And so I think as we look forward into the future, uh, that bodes well for us as conservatives, mm-hmm. because I think uh, if, as long as we can uh, get everybody to understand and, and see where we're going philosophically and what our values are, I think we'll have a lot of allies in the newcomers to Canada mm-hmm. that, we, that we're getting every year. Definitely. Uh, and, that, and that brings me to my next question is, what, I mean, what are some priori- or pri- not priorities? Um, goals and kind of initiatives and ideas that, that, that the parties kind of bring to, to reduce the debt, um, obviously with, with the immigration, bring some immigration to Canada, get the economy rolling. I mean, what are some things that, that you guys are looking at? Well, lots of things. Uh, 
one of the one of the big things though centers around what you mentioned, and that's getting the economy going. Yeah. And and that comes back to resources as we spoke about before. So we've got a we have to make uh, we have to put proper regulations around new pro- projects. There, that's for sure. But we also can't hamstring companies because what's happened now in the last uh, since the Liberals have been in power is that foreign investment and investment in general in Canada is significantly lower uh, in the resource sector right now. And and that's costing us significantly as a country. Uh, It's costing us jobs directly. It's costing us future growth. It's costing us future tax revenues and future uh, opportunities because we aren't making those investments now. Because Mm -hmm. everybody understands, I think, that in order to benefit in the future, you have to invest money now so that you can make it back later. Mm -hmm. And so, so we have to set up the parameters, we have to convince investors that Canada is a good place to do business. Because right now, investors are looking elsewhere. Investors are looking at other other countries. Even even in our own province here of Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. uh, some of our big investors, even in things like uranium, when they look at where they're going to build their next uranium mine, uh, sadly, Canada isn't necessarily at the top of their list because yeah. there's just too many obstacles to doing it in Canada and, and other jurisdictions in the world. Um, Kazakhstan, for example, have a better environment for doing resource projects. Just think about that for a minute. Mm-hmm. A former Soviet bloc country has a better governmental regime, a better environment for creating a new project, a new resource project. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's embarrassing to me. It shouldn't be that way, and that's not good for the future of our country. So, so we've got to fix some of those problems and, and uh, you know, get our economy really firing again because that's the way out of this mm-hmm. this mess that we're definitely all right so i so i hate to end off the conversation here i really enjoy this but uh so i got one last question for you brad what is one fun fact about yourself that people may not know <laughs> well that's interesting um probably uh one fun fact when back uh when, soon after i graduated from university one of my desires was to get my pilot's license okay. and so i was able to do that and uh and it just the way circumstances worked in the company that i worked for i ended up having the opportunity to fly quite a bit in okay. those uh, in the 20s and early 30s so so i actually have my pilot's license and i flew quite a bit during those those earlier years for me and that was quite a bit of fun so good fun fact i wish i could do that every day now <laughs> hey, i mean i mean you can do that to problem and back right but uh yeah. but uh thanks for coming on the show today brad it's always a pleasure to have you and uh, you know i look forward to our next chat thanks so much Aiden. it's been great chatting with you thanks And that was Brad Radekop, the MP for Saskatoon West. If you like this interview, please make sure to like and subscribe. Check out Brad's work as well as ours. And to tune in on the next episode of Conservative Roundup.